Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. To start this out, we need to figure out who asked these questions, Martin. Oh, yeah. Who asked yeah, them? Yeah, that is true. I, I think, what know. were we doing? What worst kind of, worst kind of comic book was, villains? Yeah, was like villains and there was Bouncing Boy. There was Bouncing Boy. Shout out to Bouncing Boy once so, again. Oh, here it is. 27 lamest superheroes and villains from popculturemonster.com. Okay. And I got to go find Bouncing Boy because he was, I believe, our last one, right? He, he might have been close to there the last. I don't remember if he was exactly the last. <laughs> I just loved him. Nobody understands Bouncing Boy. So, this is the beginning of a beautiful experiment. That's a good way to hit on somebody. Wow. Just saying. It is. I'm looking at some of these superheroes. Brand new God. <laughs> just trying not to laugh right now. Yeah? Yeah, I'm going to have to link this up because people need to see. The people need to see what these look like. Uh, like this guy here saying he's the greatest supervillain in the world. I'm going to reveal who he is because he asked us a great question. But oh, yeah. to start, before we get into the actual questions. So we get a lot of really good feedback about the five questions episodes. And frankly, nice pun. Nice pun. Tom, Tom frankly. Yeah. I like doing these episodes too because one, we don't worry that we have no content then prep for like two hours then come up with a three-hour outline we just go in and usually talk about some pretty good stuff anyway yeah and two it just it's fun i don't know yeah. i like having a bunch of questions so this is the experiment that i have in my head martin what if we subtly shift the show at least the part of the show that you and i do together maybe not the interviews but the part that you and i do together to a format where every single episode we take, say, three questions. And the titles will probably be uh, one of the questions instead of being five questions every single time. It'll just be, you know, one of the questions as the title. But it will be three questions. That way, every single time people want to tune into an episode that isn't an interview, they're going to get three questions, three at-bats. Yeah. I think it sounds really cool. Send us your questions. Yeah. So... I think that's what we're going to, we're going to try it out. I think everything is a process of experimentation. We're going to see how it works, but yes, this is going to be more of a Q and a themed show. Now I'm not ruling out like book report type episodes in the future because maybe Martin and I find a really cool book that we really want to do an episode on or something. Yeah. There can always be exceptions. Yeah. But I think for the most part, I want to do a show where we take your questions we take multiple of them and we're also going to make it a little bit shorter. A part of the reason for that is, number one, it will help you with editing yep. and not take so long. But the other big thing is I have some secret and clandestine and, uh, you know, I'd have to kill you if I told you projects coming up in addition to videos. And I just need to free some time up. Yep. So we're going to go to we're going to try for half an hour shows for a while. I may fail miserably. We'll find out. If if we fail, you can blame me. And I know you will blame me. 
Well, you'll know <laughs> if we're failing if we spend 15 minutes on this intro. <laughs> but yes, so today we're going to take some questions. They have been sent to us by some of the lamest supervillains and superheroes in comic book history. But I do want to mention up front that if you have a question about anything related to the kind of stuff we talk about on this show. So studying, how to build more focus, how to stop procrastinating, or career-related questions. You know, how do you develop a resume? How do you interview? How do you network? Uh, or finance questions, whatever. If you've got a question, you're a student or you're somebody, you know, in, in college or high school, ask us. That's what the show is for, and we would love to answer it. The best place to do that is at our subreddit, which is at uh, collegeinfogeek.com slash community. And you can either put it in our topic request thread that we have every single month, or you can make your own thread for it. The bu- uh, the benefit of making your own thread for it is that other people will also answer it. So you'll get multiple answers, probably from people who are smarter than us, potentially. But you can also put it in the topic request, request thread, or you can tweet us your questions if they're short. Uh, I'm Tom Frankly on Twitter, and I love getting tweet questions. So either way, send them to us. But uh, it seems that all these weird supervillains have been sending us questions today. All right. And the first supervillain is Walrus. That's it? Yes. Just the noun Walrus. Yeah, it's the noun Walrus, but... Not even like Mr. Walrus Man or something. That sounds even lamer. I'm not going to lie. Walrus is pretty lame. Mr. Walrus... Look, okay, I'm sending you the link here. Mr. Walrus Man sounds like a weird pet. Because you need to see this guy. You need to see this guy. He's number 16. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, he said he's the greatest supervillain of the world, and he's like wearing this weird purple furry suit with a big W. Uh, and it looks like he's got a, oh. I don't know, he got like flipper. He's got, a, feet he's got like a weird flipper mask over his eyes, and he's like a fat dude. That's he's pretty lame. Cool, I guess. <laughs> Guns don't kill people. Walruses do. That's a good intro to his description there. That's true. All right. So his question is. Number one, he says he likes what you said in a previous episode about needing to basically reset your quote unquote semester every couple of months. And by that, I think he means how you kind of yeah, reset like your I productivity, productivity system. system so that my life isn't monotony forever. Yeah. So he was starting to wonder what other ways do we use to take care of our sanity and not feel like a robot? So I know you reset your productivity systems. What else do you do for your yeah. mental health, for yeah. your health? Heart Health with Dr. Steve Brule. Yeah. Well, this part might be obvious, but making sure that I have enough social stuff going on, mm-hmm. hanging out with friends, going to new groups, uh, meetup.com's got some cool groups. Have you Doing, used meetup.com for groups? I have yeah. used it to look for language things. Oh, sweet. There are a lot more in Denver than here. But yeah. Intentional relaxation, that's important to me. Not like binge watching something on Netflix because you got bored and accidentally turned it on. But like going and on purpose doing something that you wanted to do, not that you accidentally ended up doing for hours. So yeah, there's that. But I guess also not everything needs to be in a productivity system. So I'm taking a bunch of photography classes. I'd like to become good at photography, but I will not put it in a system. I don't have a requirement. I don't have anything because at the end of the day, it's not that important how, f- how fast I get good at photography. I don't need to stress yeah. out about it. Not everything has to be part of a productivity system. It can just be casual. That is, that reminds me of something. So I do this with a couple of things as well. And because I'm a YouTuber, there is this constant, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but there's this constant urge to document almost everything I do because I can find some weird way to make it relate to a video or something. But 
there are things that I do and I purposely do not let them become work. So one of them is figure skating. I know people have asked me for videos of me figure skating and I have all these ideas of how I could, you know, work in the concepts of skill building and interleaving and space repetition for sports practice, all kinds of stuff. But I'm like, no, I'm not bringing my camera and turning this into work. And the most recent one was when Anna wanted a coffee table and I decided to build it. You'll notice that there is not a video on how to build a coffee table. It's a pretty dope coffee table too. Yeah, I, I'm it actually really took happy with it. A lot of effort it. not to make that into a post. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm really happy with how that coffee table turned out. It was my first experience ever doing staining wood, and believe it or not, sanding wood, and also my first experience painting metal. So I had to gain a whole lot of new skills with this coffee table, and it took me hours and hours to build. Um, and I, I purposely did not make it into any kind of content. I took like four pictures of the process and put them on Instagram. That was it. Yeah. And you didn't have like a due date. You weren't like, this has to be done on Saturday so mm-hmm. that I can publish some fancy nonsense about it. Yeah. It was just a hobby and a hobby doesn't need to be systematized. It's a hobby mm-hmm. for a reason. But I will also say, so figure skating is a sport. And I mean, that kind of relates to why I also work out, you know, get some physical activity into your life. But I honestly found the process of building this coffee table, even though it was hard work, to be kind of like a sanity booster or something that just kind of kept my brain in check because it was some good, honest, physical work with my hands. And I feel like I'm sounding like Ron Swanson right now. And I'm 100% okay with that. That's not a bad thing. I'm going to go eat 10 pounds of steak right now. That might be a bad thing. But that might be a bad thing. Yeah, 10 pounds. But seriously, my life has become computer basically because I'm a person who makes YouTube videos and podcasts and I write and then one of my hobbies is playing video games so I can honestly get into a rut where my life is just staring at screens all day yeah and that's bad for my sanity number one because I'm sitting down and I'm basically doing like the worst possible thing for my brain but number two I'm constantly in front of this box that is just filled with endless distractions. And I, one of the problems I've been dealing with recently is I can honestly feel my ability to focus and pay attention on one thing deteriorating sometimes because I'm constantly surrounded by all this choice, all these social media distractions and, and games and everything. So taking on a project where I got to go sit in the garage and sand a board for an hour that was that was kind of cathartic. It was good. Well, it sounds like something where you could be really present minded. Like that's mm-hmm. the kind of intentional thing I'm talking about where you didn't accidentally find yourself just sanding a table for no reason. You weren't just like it's not like Netflix. You didn't accidentally do it. Yeah. You intentionally decided I'm going to spend my time this way, probably blocked out the rest of every other distraction while you were doing it. Mm-hmm. So you could really enjoy the process. I feel like Somebody somebody said something, it was on Reddit once, which is ironic that I'm quoting Reddit after talking about online distractions. Yeah. But they said, oh, it was in a thread about, it was, it was like, what was, what is the best piece of life advice you've ever gotten? And one of the answers was, you should have three hobbies. One that builds your body, one that builds your mind, and maybe one that builds your money or something like that yeah, i can't I remember might have been for like one that can get you paid yeah that might have been something like, so have a side hustle have something that builds your body it's like a sport and then have something that you know makes you smarter in some way and i don't know if you have to absolutely subscribe to that but 
one thing I've noticed is I feel a heck of a lot more mentally rejuvenated and fulfilled doing some good hard labor that also involves some skill building. Because I had to learn probably 20 new skills for building this table. I didn't know how to stain wood, didn't know how to mix up poly. I didn't know how to sand wood properly. I had to buy a whole bunch of new tools I didn't even know how to use. I didn't even know I needed for this thing. Yeah. Uh, I did not know I would have to sand and wire brush the metal legs, like all this stuff. It was hard work, but I felt super fulfilled after doing it. And I was also just like moving and creating something with my hands. I did something productive. So I feel that there, you know, there are parts or times in my life when my disengagement from the work is media consumption like video games or or Netflix or something and like as fun as Overwatch and Parks and Rec are there's no feeling of accomplishment there and I feel like if you have some sort of feeling of accomplishment that is decoupled from your work because you can't be tying it into your work all the time that's really really useful yeah and I don't know if you've been doing anything like that recently but that's that's I think that's my way of staying sane at the moment well I mean photography for me is something where that's right I'm liking yeah. I did that on purpose because it has nothing to do with any of my other skill sets mm-hmm. I mean I program do stuff on this podcast and photography is so out there and I'm not using it for anything productive I just like it yeah that's important I think nice and then the one thing I'll mention beyond that is getting regular exercise keeps me sane and I find oh, that yeah. I can go I, outside sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I just took a half an hour walk before this podcast and yeah, it's I not even, feel it's better. It's not even warm outside too. That's dedication to the outside. Mm-hmm. I'm still a little sick, but getting out and getting some walking in actually felt like it helped a bit. And I personally, I don't know about you, but personally I can get into ruts where I feel like I'm so busy with work that I'll tell myself there's no time to work out. And what always ends up happening is I will skip the workout and then I will just waste that time. Yeah. Throw it down the toilet and I have done two wrongs, which don't make it right. So recently I've been making sure I go to the gym. Before I go to bed, I'll pack my gym bag. I'll put out my gym clothes, basically remove every barrier to going. And then I've been recording my progress. And not only been getting stronger and gaining some of the strength that I had in college and don't have now, I just feel better as well. So my recommendation for, what was it, walrus? Yeah, walrus. Walrus guy is exercise, get yourself a hobby or two that gives you a feeling of accomplishment and takes you away from social media and online distractions. And uh, also do some social stuff, like you were saying. Yeah. Hit up meetup.com or... Even do intramural sport. Actually, yeah. I think one thing I noticed is people often don't try new things that might help them build a new group of friends. They kind of just wish that, oh, I wish there was a group of friends that did the things that I already do, which in some cases there might be. But if you find that you're not hanging out with people that are fulfilling your needs right now, go try something else. Maybe you don't think you like intramural basketball, but if you tried it out, you might like it and you might have a group of friends who kind of reinforce your enjoyment of it. Yeah. Even if you didn't expect it. And a lot of joy from several activities, I imagine would be even more about the people you're with than at some point, the activity you're just like, I like Mm -hmm. these people. We do this thing together. That means more to me than if I were doing it by myself. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, when I think about it seriously, there's a lot of things I do with friends that I probably wouldn't choose to do on my own, but I go do them because 
going with friends is fun. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I would go pick pumpkins in a pumpkin patch by myself, <laughs> but the fact that I did it with friends made it really fun. Yeah. So yeah, go pick some pumpkins. Yep. That's my recommendation That's the for the day. <laughs> All right. Next lame superhero. Uh, this guy's not lame enough. Ooh. But blue snowman. It's literally, oh, okay. literally a blue snowman. Oh wait, never mind. Okay. Blue snowman fought with guns. Well, a snow gun that could create and reverse blizzards. Blue snowman is in fact a woman posing as a man dressed as a blue snowman. <laughs> um. <laughs> Why? I mean, that is some very specific stuff. I mean, that's that's cool, but I just never would have guessed that. What I'm looking at is like a weird cartoon version of Winston Churchill, who is completely blue, hitting Wonder Woman in the head with a wrench. Okay. Oh, comics. I don't yep. know why we take questions from these kind of people. They'll do anything. But we do. And Blue Snowman's question is... Is it better to get in the habit of winning your day by setting less to do and then completing it and then start adding more? Or should you keep going until you're able to hit the mark you've already set? So basically, should I plan five things and be satisfied if I only get three done or only plan three and make sure that I hit it? Which I think is an excellent question. Yeah. Uh, I can tell you what I personally do, which is I, I always plan more than I get done. Always. And to be quite honest, I usually feel bad about not getting it all done. Yeah. So I suppose uh, the I guess the answer that's probably should be revealing itself to me right now. And I it remains to be seen whether I will put it into practice is I should cut down the amount of things I plan to do in a day until I can get it done. I mean, it's psychologically yeah. not completing that list. Yeah. Is, it's going to make you feel like you're not as productive sometimes. Mm hmm. Yeah, uh, there's, so there's a book I read recently called The Productivity Project. It was written by a friend of mine named Chris Bailey. And one of the early concepts in that book was about having a three things concept where every single day you just write down the three big things that you want to accomplish by the end of the day. And then you work up to basically being able to show yourself and prove to yourself that you can get those things done. So... And I, I know that in my head. And I think this is this is a problem that I face and that a lot of people face. We know some of the most effective methods for doing things and then we don't do them for various reasons. Yeah. I can tell you my reason that is that it's higher level than just than just my daily planning. It's my overall planning. I bite off more than I can chew with my work. And I know the deadlines, so I just will naturally say, well, okay, it looks like I need to get an entire video written and filmed, and I need to write this article, and I need to take care of my email and everything because of the deadlines, you know, and that obviously doesn't get done, so things will fall by the wayside, or I'll have to reschedule things. I think that's how the working world works Yeah. in many cases, uh, but yes, may maybe that is a wake-up call for me. Maybe I should purposely start only planning a few things a day because i think i've actually said that people should do that before <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't always do the things that i recommend doing now i'm i'm <clears throat> basically in the process of doing this myself because i've been thinking i have so many things i want to get done all the time but i constantly feel overwhelmed spin my wheels on all of them because i'm like well i can work on all 10 of these things if i do uh, 20 minutes of each one, 20 minutes of each one is like the overhead required to get me into it. Yeah. After which I'm like, okay, now I'm into it, 
but it's time to quit and move on to the next thing. So I don't actually get anything done. Yep. So I've been trying to plan fewer things. But also, I would say that honestly, when I do plan fewer things, I probably won't get all of those things done anyway. Because even trying to predict for fewer things, people are bad at estimating time. There could mm-hmm. be a social thing. There could be any number of things. I've got like photography class or I need to see somebody or there's a doctor's appointment or something. So I, I would plan fewer things so that it's it's reasonable to get it done and you feel good and accomplished. Yeah. But like, don't sweat it. If something weird comes up, you're not a robot. Your days are not static. Mm-hmm. Things happen. And so this is something I've been thinking about recently. There's this company that recently moved to a five-hour workday for their oh, employees. Yeah. And I, I posted this article in our Slack chat. And their productivity went up. And their sales have gone up. Nothing bad has happened at all with their company. So I was thinking about this and I was thinking, you know, is this something we could do at College Info Geek? Could we sort of build some sort of system where we work fewer hours, but we kind of know that implicitly the productivity must increase? So if you're the kind of person that has a lot of things to do, what if you experimented with paring down your daily list to a few things but then committing to getting it done in a smaller window of time than you normally would set for yourself. Now, if you're a student, maybe this is tough because you only have a couple of hours to do your homework at night, but if you have a lot more time and you find that you spend a lot of your time inefficiently, maybe the answer isn't, you know, to pack a bunch of things into a list and give yourself a bunch of time. Maybe it is to pare down both the list and the time. Yeah. So I've got three things and I only, I also only have two hours to do it. That way you you actually focus on the three things mm-hmm. because thinking about the three things is definitely not enough. Yeah, I find, you know, the biggest problem I get emailed about and my biggest problem, uh, even though I've been able to increase my ability over the years to deal with it, my big, biggest problem is still focusing intently on the work and working efficiently. Yeah. There's always distractions that come up. Or you find reasons to not work as efficiently as you should. And if you can increase your ability to do that, then uh, I think that everything else blossoms from there and improves. Yeah, and I think when you feel accomplished, when you've you've won, you did the three things you wanted, that's going to help you continue that streak and be more motivated in the next day. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you failed to do a bunch, let, let's say that you, you failed to do your reading today. Well, if that was the lowest priority thing on your list, tomorrow you sit it on there and it's still the lowest priority technically because the others have a real deadline, you might just skip out on reading again because you didn't have time. Yeah. And then you're consistently planning so much and yet never doing it. You're just making yourself feel bad for something you don't have time for. I think Blue Snowman's question is making me question my own methods. That's because Blue Snowman is wise. That's, what is at once a woman, a man, and a is, snowman? Is he, she, hmm. snow, snow, snowy? This is deep. <laughs> this is deeper than we know. But I know that recently, ever since I got back from FinCon, I've been piling up a lot of obligations and projects and saying yes to too many things, most likely. And because of that, I've been naturally slipping on some of those habits, like restricting my daily to-do list to only a few things. Yeah. So, and restricting my hours. Because I think it is important to have kind of a hard stop to your day. Because if you constantly tell yourself, I could be working until 10 p.m., then there's your efficiency goes down over time. You could also you can't be really that. sad because you do that every yeah. day. I think that, especially when I mentioned not being, don't sweat it if you can't get them all done. Mm-hmm. That's important because I've had too many experiences where I've got a bunch of check boxes and it's like 1230 
at night and I'm like, oh, I, oh I'm so tired. I got to wake up early, but I, I have to check off this box. <laughs> but in reality, it probably wasn't that important and life mm. will go on. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe along with this recommendation, we have to talk a little bit about 80-20. Are there things you need to cut? I mean, at the beginning of this episode, I said we're, we're going to go down to a, a shorter show format. And that is because I truly believe that I don't believe that having a longer show is bad. And I think that, you know, an hour long show gives more content than a half an hour long show for sure. You know, there's no denying that. But when I look at the big picture of everything college and book geek is about and does, and I try to prioritize everything and I'm thinking about, all right, these big future projects we want to build, we want to build courses. We want to have, you know, more, more cohesive, more useful content in the future. We want to have like a better email list. We want to make better videos. I think about it. Our hour and a half long podcasts are low on the priority list. Yeah. So if I'm thinking to myself, you still, yeah. You know what I'm thinking to myself? If I literally can't get everything done that I plan to do every day, but I'm planning my day based on my overall plan. Well, then something's got to be cut. If I can't achieve everything that I'm setting out to achieve and, you know, I've tried working harder, quote unquote, and that doesn't work. Well, then we have to figure out what to cut and we have to cut the things that are the least valuable. So if we can shave a half an hour off of every show that has a half an hour less of me talking every time and that is potentially a half an hour to 45 minutes of you editing. And and if we're still giving you value through answering these questions and maybe we get more questions Mm -hmm. coming to us and we could sort it out. Yeah. And I mean... It's the same value in a smaller cost. Yeah, exactly. I think so. So yeah, if you're dealing with this problem, I think that I would recommend trying to hit your target when you plan for the day. Otherwise, what's the point of the plan if it never gets achieved? And it may involve some overall cutting or you know delaying things or just looking at your overall commitments and saying, Maybe I can't do all these things. Now, don't use as an excuse for I'm working inefficiently and I want to keep working inefficiently, so I'm going to cut some things. No, that's definitely not the answer. But once you've shorn up most of the problems, you may need to cut some things. You know, related book I'm going to suggest but not talk too much about right now, Essentialism, will help you figure out what kind of things you could cut out on. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right, so let's move on to that last question, which was asked by Sportsmaster. Sportsmaster? Is that like that football guy? <laughs> Sportsmaster uses his Olympic level sports ability alongside pucks and baseballs and other sports paraphernalia that tend to explode, but not in an awesome way. I don't. <laughs> he yeah, also wears a fisherman's suit and carries around a rod. What? Uh, and I don't even know if he's a villain or a hero. Why is it a fisherman, but also they have like explosive baseballs or something? Because he's the master of all sports. Okay. Uh, don't question it. All right. Don't question it, Martin. Just look at this. I man. guess I'm just not that creative. Look at this man. It's my problem, not I'm the comics. To zoom in on him I'm the one who messed up. That's true. You need to get more creative. Get into sports. And Sportsmaster has a really simple question, which I don't know why he's asking because why would he even deal with email? But he's asking, how do I get to and stay at inbox zero? Oh. The elusive inbox zero. You told me this was going to be a simple question. We'll see. Well, it's simpler for me than you. So I'm interested in what you have to do about email is one of the biggest creators of anxiety in my entire life, Martin. 
I'm sorry. Bringing back the PTSD already. I didn't do this. The sports sports <laughs> dude did it. Okay. So, Inbox Zero, just to give you all some background, was this concept that I believe was created by Merlin Mann of the 43 Folders blog like eight years ago. And he had this whole methodology set out. It's all still online. We could put it up in the show notes. But it's basically this giant concept for keeping your email at Inbox Zero. Uh, and I used to basically subscribe to this. Inbox zero was the goal, get all the emails answered. And, you know, that was what I was always striving for and failing at. Because inevitably, even on the rare occasions where I would get down to inbox zero, another email would come in like two seconds later. But the other problem is if I put something like get to inbox zero on my to-do list every single day, what that means is no matter how heavy or crazy or important the email is i'm telling myself i must get that done every single day even if i have spent the entire day editing a 10 hour long or you know doing a 10 hour long session editing a video i still got to get to inbox zero and there might be something really important in the inbox for instance i'm negotiating a sponsorship opportunity for a video in the future and i basically have to like write an entire proposal for this if I'm doing inbox zero and I'm like, I have to get my inbox cleared every single day, then I'm not giving myself enough time to put enough thought into this proposal. That's like saying, okay, your inbox is a bunch of to-do list items and you must get that entire to-do list done every single day. You have to get a variable to-do list. You don't know how hard it's going to be, but you better get it done. Yeah, that doesn't work. Um, looking at my inbox right now, I've got like a few meetings I need to schedule. I have another person reaching out about sponsorship. So that's going to involve a lot of thought and care into the response. I've got things need to go into my accounting setup. There are speaking inquiries. There are people asking about other things. So this person's like, Hey, I need you to answer a few questions about a podcast we're going to do in the future. This person's talking about this really big project we're working on. So that's going to take a bunch. Uh, here's a thing that needs to be, you know, like there's a bunch of work I need to go do on a website to fix that. So just to put this out up front, I don't think inbox zero is a good target to be shooting for. And well, this goes right along with how I was saying, like, sometimes you need your sleep. You don't need to check that box off and it's not going to kill you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Email causes me a lot of anxiety because I, for the longest time, I always felt like I was obligated to answer every single email or at least I wanted to be a cool person and answer every single email. Uh, I've gotten to the point where I realized that's no longer possible. In fact, when I started my YouTube channel, I prided myself of myself on answering every comment, even if it was like a thanks comment, or even if it was like somebody saying you suck and your nose looks like a Coke bottle or something, I would still respond to it somehow. And now there are 354,000 subscribers in the channel and there is literally yeah, no way you can't do that. that I could answer every single comment. And in fact, it would be a disservice to my audience to spend time answering every single comment because that would mean I would not get as many <laughs> videos out. Yeah. And I already all don't always get the videos out that I want to get out. So it's the same thing with email. If I spend time and this is tough because it makes me see I'm getting anxiety right now. It makes me feel like a dick when I say words like if I spend time answering one person's question, that's time I could spend answering the question for 50,000 people, you know? Yeah. And I don't know where the balance is on that because in some regards, I still do like to answer people's questions. Like if you hit me at the right time with a question that I can answer in five seconds, I'm probably going to respond to you because I want to. But 
On the other hand, when I get questions like, hey, what college do I go to? What do I do with my life? I'm like, I can't, I, I can't answer that. And uh, I also need to spend my time working on a video or something. Yeah, we, we could put that you know? same topic into, into like the pod. If you got a question, send it to us so we can just talk about it on the podcast for like 10 minutes or some. Yeah. So that would well, be an answer so for everyone. And this is why, this is why I don't tell people not to email me because even if I don't respond, there's, I'm not going to let your question go to waste. It's going to be put into a sauna or Evernote or something. We're going to save it. And if we deem that, like, you know, this question is something that a lot of people could, could learn from or probably have, then we'll make a podcast on it or I'll make a video on it. So I do like getting emails. It's just, I still feel bad because I know email is like supposed to be a person to person communication medium. And I feel like I should answer them, but I just can't. So you get to that point. Yeah. That being said, I want to reframe this question as, you know, what can you do to better manage your email? So step number one, if, and this is something that a lot of people have said, so this isn't just me coming up with sage advice and pulling it out of my butt. But uh, if you send a lot of emails, you will receive a lot of emails. That's just how it works. So it follows that if you want to receive fewer emails, you must send fewer emails as well. Uh, not only you being the initial sender, but also you responding. If you uh, become known as a person who responds to every single email, like Gabe Newell, uh, Seth Godin, Derek Sivers, then people will email you because they know that they can email you and expect a response. Or you could be like CGP Grey and spend like every other podcast episode talking about how you will never respond to emails. And uh, well, he's a YouTuber with 2 million subscribers, so he probably does still get a lot of email. But I can tell you he gets fewer emails than someone like his co-host Brady, who will answer emails and talks about that. So your attitude with email does matter. And in fact, I really like the way that Cal Newport has communicated his email expectations where he has said on his on his contact page, I view my email as an inbound box of opportunities. So don't view it as a phone number that you can reach me at. View it as you're kind of dropping something into a box. And if I find it interesting, I'll respond. But there's no obligation. I'm not I'm not setting this up as something where the default mode is for me to respond. Yeah. So that's something I think about. I think for the average person, though, they're going to get emails that they probably have to respond to or deal with in some way because they're not a YouTuber or a content creator who gets a zillion emails yeah, from random just people ignore most of what they're getting. That's personal. Yeah. So going from there, some things I have learned that are helpful is number one, don't let your email be your to do list. So if you can, every email you get, find a way to pull what is needed out of that email, get it into a different system and then either archive or delete that email. So if it is a receipt and you're running a business, I will forward that receipt to Evernote to a receipts notebook. And then at the end of the month, I'll go through that notebook and I'll do my accounting with my accounting software, but I don't let those receipts sit in the inbox. Or if it's an event on a calendar, okay, go put the events in Google Calendar and then archive that email. If it's anything that is a to-do list, you know, okay, I got to schedule a meeting with this person on this date, or here's some login details for a web server I need to get into and do some work on. I'm going to make a task in Asana or in Wonderlist or whatever you use with all the details from the email, then I'm going to get that email out of there. So that is going to get rid of a lot of like the emails that require action. And actually that reminds me, I'm going to put this in the show notes. 
I have a post about how I answered, I think it was like 97 emails in one day. So let me see if I can find that real quick. I know I called it the Captain America method because I was in the past trying to use the Hulk method, which is just go one by one, brute force my way through every single email. And instead I have this process that I go through. So I'm just gonna walk you through it real quick. This does help. It's called how I will tackle my email. Number one, delete or archive anything where action isn't needed. So newsletters. And by the way, like except for our newsletter, yeah, because our newsletter well, is great, but it's you should unsubscribe from crappy newsletters. So like if, I don't know, Home Depot is sending you deals on jigsaws every day or something, instead of hitting delete and just hitting delete every single day that they send you that for the eternity, just unsubscribe. Yeah, isn't unroll. If you're not me, is that still around? Or yeah, unroll.me, you know? Uh, I use unroll.me. Unroll.me even gives me anxiety because I go in there and it says potential items you may want to roll up or unsubscribe 720 or something like that. Oh. And I'm like, I don't want to spend an entire day going through and seeing, you know, sometimes unroll me will, will pick up emails that it shouldn't have picked up because they're not okay. actually newsletters. They're like, like Slack support. You know, I emailed Slack support because there was a bug in their software and it will pick that up because it came from Slack's, you know, non-personal email address. Yeah. Well, I don't want to roll up Slack support because if I ever need to email Slack support in the future, I'm going to need them. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, unsubscribe from crap newsletters. Hopefully ours gives you value, but hey, if not, unsubscribe. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, if you don't like Get it, stop them. getting it. I, I am ruthlessly unsubscribing from stuff. Anyway, so if there's no action needed, get it out of your inbox. Number two, find any emails with interesting info or action items, and then you load that info into your quick capture system. And by quick capture, I mean your suite of apps that allow you to quickly and easily archive data, events, tasks, ideas, whatever, into a system that you trust. Ideas for me go into Evernote, tasks go into Asana, and events go into Google Calendar. So if there's any of those things in an email, I'll get them into the correct systems, due date them, whatever, archive away. Number three, star any emails that need a response right now. So I don't respond to them yet, but I'm starring them in Gmail. And then I respond to those, A, ultra priority first. So if something needs a response right now, it's a really important person, or it's a really time sensitive issue, respond to those. And then the rest are FIFO, which means first in, first out. So I go to the bottom and answer the oldest ones first. Number four, I will label all reader questions and feedback. This is not something everyone else needs to use, but I do label my reader questions. And then what I do now is I forward reader questions to Asana as long as it's not something we've already covered. Um, number five, I'll quickly answer feedback, type emails or thank yous and stuff like that. And then number six, I will answer whatever is left. So that is kind of like a process I go through. And what that does is it kind of mentally groups things in my mind. So I'm not just switching from scheduling a meeting with somebody to answering a question to writing a proposal back to scheduling a meeting because that requires a lot of mental gear switching. Yeah. If I can kind of create a, you know, an algorithm to go through and I'm like, all right, I'm answering really important business development stuff right now. And then later I'm going to go say thank you to people. And then later on, I'm going to go schedule things that helps keep me in the flow. Safe. Yeah. It minimizes overhead. Yeah. So I know we've, uh, we've already broken our 30 minute promise. I'm just, so a, just a little, just a little bit, bit, just a little bit. But if I talk longer, we're going to end up at an hour anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, I will have this particular post uh, on the Captain America method in the show notes. Um, we can also put Merlin Mann's original 43 folders in box zero series in there if you want to check it out. 
You know, I think a lot of the concepts are good. I just think that the dangerous one is to try to obligate yourself to clearing your inbox every single day. I've tried it. It only results in anxiety and it results in hastily rushed responses sometimes to important emails. That's true of basically anything that's asking for perfection or purity. Yeah, that's true. It's going to get you stressed. Yeah. So (laughs) kill and destroy that stress. Yeah. Uh, Try try to dethrone your email from wherever it sits in your prioritization matrix. There should be something that's more important, not your email. And I know it's very easy to prioritize your email because it can seem urgent. People want your stuff, but it it is busy work. And just think about this. If you have anxiety about your email and you have a bunch of emails you haven't responded to, every other person in your inbox, their email account probably looks the same. Yeah, they probably don't want to respond to what you're about to send. So, And if they don't, it's fine. Then they're nerds. So, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, show notes for this episode can be found over at cigpodcast.com slash 135. So that's where you find links to my Captain America method for answering emails, inbox zero stuff, some of the other things we talked about in the earlier questions. So if you want to find resource links, check that URL out. And you will also find a link to rate and review this podcast on iTunes, which you can do if you want to be an awesome person who supports this show because ratings and reviews on iTunes are what uh, one of the factors actually that helps the show grow and move up the rankings in iTunes and hence get out to more people. So that is something that we really appreciate. And if you go ahead and do that, you're awesome. And you have earned our everlasting thanks. Anywho, I think that's it, right? Yeah. Cool. So hopefully you enjoyed this new format. I enjoy answering questions like this and I enjoy making fun of lame supervillains. So we will do more of that next week, most likely. Until then, stay cute. Or not. <laughs> <laughs>